Politics. I'm your host, John Tarleton. You're listening to the Independent News Hour on WBAI 99.5 FM. I'm broadcasting from East Hampton, Massachusetts, and I'm joined once again by our co-host, Amr Gagarian, who is in New York City. Thanks, John. It's great to be here in New York City. Do you want to fill our listeners in about why you're in Massachusetts, though? Yeah, I'm visiting a local farm this week about four hours from New York City. After I finish my uh, indie responsibilities uh, each day, I log off and uh, go out in the late afternoon and uh, pick apples for a couple of hours. It's uh, good to be back on the land. And back in the day, I used to go up to Vermont every fall and pick apples. I also used to hobo around the country and worked in other migrant harvests from Maine to Colorado, Virginia uh, to Wisconsin. Uh, and what, what was that like, hoboing around the country? Well, with the with the farm work, it was often grueling, but I met a lot of interesting people. And I also gained a lifelong appreciation for the farmers and farm workers who bring our food, uh, bring us our food, including smaller, unconventional farmers who try to break away from the dominant corporate system of uh, agriculture that we live under. And speaking of that, it is mid-October and all across the land, the bounty of the harvest is being reaped. And next month, we'll join family and friends to celebrate this with Thanksgiving feast. So in our final segment this evening, uh, we're going to branch out and talk about food. We're going to talk about the people who grow it and harvest it, the challenges they face, and the community-centered solutions that some farmers have developed that, again, stand in stark contrast to big ag and its corporate monoculture. Uh, Now joining us are are two farmers, Elaine Hartley and Russell Brain, co-owners of Park Hill Orchard uh, here in East Hampton, uh, Massachusetts, a also longtime friends of The Independent. Elaine and Russell, welcome to WBAI Radio. Thank you, John. And so just starters, uh, um, uh, Elaine, here at Park Hill, y'all grow over 90 varieties of perennial fruits, and apples are your biggest crop, which you're busy harvesting right now, and I'm glad I can pitch in a little bit. Uh, Before we go into some of the issues around farming these days, uh, can you just sort of describe the, the, the work cycle of your year of what uh, goes into running a farm and also the, the, the cycle of the apple and, um, from when it blossoms to when people uh, are able to put it in their mouth? And, uh, yeah, just give us a sense of, of, of that uh, farming uh, cycle that you all are so deeply immersed in. Sure. So right now we're obviously in harvest, uh, harvest time period being mid-October, but the tree really starts set, um, setting fruit, setting buds uh, the year before this, this season. And then I think on our human terms, um, pruning is really when I see our season starting. So the year before the tree is setting buds and preparing for what we're currently harvesting now, um, we move into pruning and um, really opening up the tree to air and light and making um, you know, o- uh, environment to grow healthy apples and uh, clean apples in. Um, we move from we move from pruning to at the same time uh, the tree cycle really is bud you know moves into bud break and the sap begins flowing and the buds start opening up. Uh, which then moves into tree pollination. Uh, after tree pollination, we uh, on for our growing cycle, we start looking at thinning the thinning the trees again. We're looking at air and light and trying to open up the trees and um, and um, sort of adjust for the amount of 
uh, the amount of fruit that a tree can carry based on like how much carbohydrates, how much sunlight it's getting. Um, and right around then, uh, as, as we, we begin, the apples start growing and we start moving towards harvesting. And as we're harvesting, the tree is actually moving into dormancy. So there's really kind of two growth, two cycles going on. It's the cycle that we are, we have as humans and the cycle the tree is going through. And, um, just when, just I'm say this on air, when, when you speak, um, if you could just speak a little bit closer to the mic, Elaine, I know you and John are sharing the mic. So happy, happy to see you there together in, in, in mass, but, um, moving on now. So tell, um, tell us a little bit about why it's better to eat local food, locally sourced food. Um, why is somebody? I, I can take a shot at that one. This is Russell. Um, Hi, Russell. Hi, Russell. Scale is really an issue with uh, with food. The scale of how it's grown. We we're a small farm, uh, owner operated, meaning that we are here doing the work every day. And farms like ours practically never get anyone sick. Uh, large corporate farms and where they commingle the products are where they have that problem. So in a way, you know, it's it's safer. Um, the, the main thing is that uh, at this scale, we can do a lot of uh, what's called cultural practices, meaning things other than spraying. So in the big industry, pretty much if you can't spray your way out of the problem, then they don't do anything about it. And so we have a lot of other options, like, for instance, in weed management. We can do mechanical weed control instead of using uh, harsh uh, herbicides, for, for instance, and um, we can hand thin the fruit rather than uh, than spray uh, uh, chemical thinners on them. So um, the other thing is when you buy locally, your money jingles around the local economy. I think there's been some studies on it that the uh, two or three times the money spent, it doesn't just get shipped instantly out of town when you spend it. So it, uh, it helps the local economy and it uh, supports jobs. Uh, we have a a fairly high minimum wage here in Massachusetts, and we pride ourselves in growing uh, um, healthy, valuable fruit that, that we can, um, you know, pay our employees well. Uh, and, you know, it builds community, breaking bread with your neighbors, uh, eating food, giving apples to the children in town makes bonds that, that are hard to make uh, in other ways that strongly. Okay. And we, of course, all get our food from somewhere. And in recent years, farmers markets have become an increasingly popular option, including for low-income shoppers who can now access more fresh, uh, healthy food. Uh, Can you talk about that a little more, Elaine? Sure. There are a number of programs that um, uh, help people access food, both at um, at farmers markets, farm stands, um, and a couple other venues. Um, the SNAP program is well known. Um, many people have EBT cards. Uh, most of the farmers markets that we attend, the uh, SNAP program is also matched with funds that come in from donors or have been raised by different groups. Uh, on top of that, we're here in Massachusetts, and the um, there is a program called the Healthy Incentives Program that puts between 40 to $80 back onto your SNAP card when you're purchasing fruits and vegetables from any farmer's market or farm stand. 
And just a note for our listeners in New York City, there are actually more than 130 farmers markets across the five boroughs supplied by farms in the greater New York City region, extending well up into the Hudson Valley where WBAI signal also reaches. If you Google New York City and farmers markets, you can find a map on nyc.gov. You can also go to Grow NYC for listings of all the farmers markets in the city. And since many of our listeners do care about eating healthy food, Russell, can you talk about what it means to run a low spray orchard and what people should know about spraying and when it's dangerous to and when it's not? I know you talked a little bit about some of the pesticides you don't use, but talk about when it's dangerous to spray and when it's not. Uh, We've lost our connection there for a moment. Um, Russell, uh, Ambo was asking about when it's about spraying and when it's uh, ah. low, running a low spray orchard and when that's uh, acceptable so or not. We're lucky here, uh, partially because we're owner operated and because of scale, like I was mentioning before. But we pay close attention to the life cycle of all the pathogens and, and insects that might hurt an apple. And we use very soft sprays. Um, All of the hard sprays have been sunsetted out now. You hear a little bit in the news about uh, about certain ones that uh, that um, came out of retirement or not. But there are a new class of protective uh, crop protectants that are very soft, but you have to apply them in a very timely manner. You watch the. Uh, the different instar stages of the insects and, and you can uh, um, protect your apples while leaving, you know, literally hundreds of different species walking around the trees. Um, apple orchards used to have nothing living on the trees, but nowadays, um, you know, just like Rachel, Rachel Carson pointed out in silent spring, bugs eating bugs is more powerful than any spray that will ever be made. And we fully employ um, uh the, the insects that, that get rid of the ones that we don't like. So all that means that we have to leave a lot of insects alive. It's called um, basically fresh market growing is what we do. And uh, it's, it's sort of the new way. Now, where it's going is very interesting. We're in a, a state program right now doing um, what's called attract and kill, which means that you attract the uh, the insects that eat apples off the trees, and you and you deal with them in the grass or or nearby trees, and never spray the trees at all. So that's pretty interesting, and that's that's where it's going. So rest assured that farmers are working diligently and as quickly as possible to uh, clean up our food supply as much as possible. And we we just have. Uh, one more minute uh, at most here before we have to wrap up. But Elaine, one thing that you've done here at Park Hill that's really fascinating is you've made this a community hub and you even have a annual uh, art exhibit, an, an art trail with 30 original art installations. And there's a jury that judges the entries that come from all over the Northeast. Uh, just real quickly, can you talk about why you have made this extra effort when farming itself is a lot of work? Sure. Um, I think farming is a lot about community and sharing the environment, your land and the environment with the community. Our farm is under agricultural protection and the community around here put it under, helped um, fund that uh, change so that it was under agricultural protection. Um, 
And so it's a part of sharing and it's a part of building the community and having a place where people um, not only enjoy food, but enjoy each other and enjoy um, the beauty all around. Okay. Uh, Thanks. Thank you again to Elaine Hartley and Russell Brain, uh, our farmer friends uh, uh, joining us uh, uh, this evening. Of course, uh, we have a lot of uh, similar kind of farms all up in the Hudson Valley and in the New York City region that serve those farmers markets. And we also have uh, hundreds of community gardens in the five boroughs of of New York City. And uh, so uh, there's so many ways uh, we can get a healthier food for ourselves. And it doesn't just have to be uh, a bougie thing that uh, rich people can uh, partake in.